you are listening to The Janine Garner Show. Janine is a leading expert on leadership and driving influence through networking and collaboration, passionate about bringing brilliant people together to achieve remarkable results. Join Janine Garner as she shares insights, interviews and conversations, and let's together make the remarkable happen. Hi there, my name is Janine Garner. I am the host of this podcast, Unleashing Brilliance, and it's an absolute pleasure to have you joining me on today's episode. Today, I'm chatting to Dr. Jenny Brockett. Um, Now, I never thought I would be having a conversation with a doctor about how she got into a bit of trouble causing a ceiling fan in the family room to collapse after exploring that newfangled thing in the bathroom, which she called the B-Day and how it worked. Um, But this pretty much sums up Dr. Jenny. She is ever curious. She's curious to discover what will help others find greater happiness, better health and fulfillment in life and work. Uh, She is a medical practitioner and board certified lifestyle medicine physician that is committed to raising awareness of what the science has shown as possible. But what's really fascinating about Dr. Jenny is her journey to that space. She uh, trained initially as a nurse, then moved into studying medicine to become a GP. Uh, She worked tirelessly to build her own practice and then hit a massive hole of burnout. And it's her recovery from that burnout and her rediscovering her brilliance Um, that is fascinating in terms of the input that that is having in her work right now. She remains optimistic that we can actually design a better, healthier and kinder future to support ourselves and thrive, whilst also taking taking care of our beautiful and fragile planet. She is the author of her latest book, the fourth book, Thriving Mind, How to Cultivate a Good Life. And in this conversation, she shares lots about her learning of uh, through that burnout and the resetting of her career. We talk about the power of play and how we can use that to fuel the brain, through, fuel our performance and actually add momentum into our businesses and our organizations. And obviously, we talk a lot about how to thrive both at home and in the workplace um, to ensure that we uh, bring the best of ourselves to everything that we are doing. Please enjoy this latest episode from uh, Unleashing Brilliance with the amazing Dr. Jenny Brockis. Jenny, thank you for joining me on today's podcast. How are you? I'm really well, thanks, Janine. Hope you are too. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Now, um, let's just quickly, I want to ask you some very short, quick fire questions just so our listeners can get a feel of who you are. Um, Because obviously I know lots about you and I can't wait to share your brilliance on this podcast. Um, Now, people can probably sense that's not an Aussie accent. Where are you from? I was born in York, so I'm a Yorkshire lass. I think I know yeah. someone else who's born there too. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we, so, we, used to go, we used to go to York on school trips. Oh, what wow. are, what's that little lane called? The Shingles or the sh- something? The Shambles. Or? The Shambles. The shambles. Yes. <laughs> <Not> shambles. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, it feels like a diagonally in Hogwarts in yes. Harry Potter books. Very much so. Thinking, what on earth are they talking about? Your first job? What was your first job? I was working in a canteen in a factory in South London. 
um, serving morning tea, which was stewed tea that had been made with about 250 tea bags and bacon butties. <laughs> and my only question was with or without, which meant yes. with sugar or without, because there was no other choice. Uh, and that was it. <laughs> I like the bacon angle, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Bacon angle, not quite the, the stewed tea. So, so are you a coffee or a tea girl? Definitely a tea girl. I mean, how can you not be from Yorkshire without drinking lots of Yorkshire tea? I know they don't grow it there, but it's lovely. (laughs) Books, do you like them uh, in the traditional hard copy or digital? Which do you read? I go for both these days. I resisted the uh, Kindle for a long time. But I did discover that when I was traveling, when we were allowed to travel, that taking sort of 10 books in the suitcase didn't leave much room for much else. So it was a <laughs> that was a good discovery. And also, uh, sometimes I read books that I'm not sure if I'm actually going to enjoy that much. Uh, I belong to a book club and I now read all my book club books on my Kindle, but all my important books that I want to be able to go back to and reference because I do love the feel uh, of, a, of a real book is as I, I have real lots and lots and lots of real books and my husband's always going not another book arriving in the post and yes <laughs> I'm still yeah, they, they pile up the pile they do up. they do yeah <laughs> um is there a particular book or podcast or TED talk or something that has really stayed with you um, over the years? And what was it about it? I think it was actually Benjamin Zander's TED talk when he was explaining that even if you don't think you love classical music, uh, you can come to love it um, and about letting go. And I think it was his one buttock playing on the piano, which really sold me. <laughs> I just, I just loved his his passion, his ingenuity, and the way he just connected so brilliantly with everybody in the room, even those who clearly didn't think much of classical music before they listened to his talk. So that that's one that's always resonated with me because it it showed me how important it is to retain that sense of curiosity and to retain that sense of, well, just because I think I don't like something doesn't mean that's always going to be true. And if I give myself permission to explore something that I'm not that comfortable with, I might in fact find it's the best thing that I've ever discovered. There you go. I love it. I love how that stayed with you. It And uh, looking at your bio, I reckon there's curiosity in there. I'm just going to read uh, <laughs> the opening. You say, as a kid, my favorite tale was Rudyard Kipling's Just So Story, how the elephant got his trunk. And like the elephant, I was insatiably curious about the world. It got me into trouble. Like the time I set fire to the kitchen and the time I caused the ceiling in the family room to collapse after exploring how this newfangled thing in the bathroom called a B-Day worked. That made me giggle (laughs) when I read that, Jenny. And it pretty much sums up um, just the wonderful person that I know. So what what is it that you do now? Let's, Let's let our listeners know. Well, I'm not let loose near any plumbing, let me say that to start with. Um, What I'm all about is really about empowering others to be the best they can be in the lives they choose to lead. And whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in life in general, it's about 
making sure we retain our sense of humanity, making sure we retain that sense of what we're on this planet to do, what's what's our purpose, what what gives us meaning, and to make sure we we stay connected to what allows us to truly thrive. We talk about thriving a lot, uh, especially in the context of moving away from just surviving. But I think it's really important to unpack what thriving means to each one of us because it's going to be slightly different for each of us too. Now, you, that you've not always done that. You've got a, no. you know, you, you talk a lot. Of, you've you've been a GP. You trained to be a GP. But mm. we can we can absolutely talk about that in a second. Can you can you remember a almost a key watershed moment in your life that that almost has affected uh, your journey to what you're doing now? Oh, okay. Well, the simplest answer to that is that I I left my practice. I lost my practice because I was completely burned out. And it was the lessons learned from that experience that really catapulted me into designing a new career path. Up until that point, I'd actually already, and again, we're going back to this curious piece, I was already curious about the alternatives to uh, modern medicine as we knew. I've been taught to think in a certain way as, as a doctor, but I was very mindful that many of my clients who were coming to see me were also going to see a naturopath, a chiropractor, all sorts of different allied health practitioners. And I was curious to understand why, what they were getting from these other people that they weren't getting from you know, the typical general practitioner consultation. And the more I was looking into that, the more I came to understand that people just wanted to be listened to and understood. People were really wanting to know how they could be better, but without being told what to do. (laughs) And I think that the the trouble with the classical doctor's approach, and it's not the same now by any means, was that, you know, the doctor knew everything, had all the answers, just do as I say and you'll be fine. You know, take two pills and call me in the morning. And, of course, that approach doesn't work. It doesn't work with any grown-ups, doesn't work with many kids either. (laughs) So, um, So I was already exploring alternative ways of addressing health and well-being and I started when I was working in different workplaces sort of talking about the need for better brain health because I could see that so many people were so stressed out they couldn't think straight and so my focus was entirely on cognition how we think learn and remember and then as I've sort of continued in that uh, journey I've been working in that space for over 10 years I've now sort of evolved that to sort of meet, to understand that while, yes, we're all looking to be the better version of ourselves, we're always looking to sort of get more productive, uh, enhance our performance, that's not always what strictly matters. What matters is how we feel about our life and our world and ourselves on a daily basis because that really determines our behaviour. And it's it's our behaviours that determine our outcomes. And you touched on there that that you started uh, your career as a as a GP. Yeah. Um, what got you into that in the first place? What got you into studying to be a doctor? I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up. <laughs> wow! Um, Thank you um, for the hardest things to study. <laughs> um, 
my parents had very high expectations of me and they were very keen for me to, to study medicine. So I think being slightly contrary, I just dug my heels and said, well, that's the last thing I'm going to do. My, my dad was actually a vet, so I was brought up living in a slightly unusual household full of animals of different sizes and shapes and sorts. Um, but I didn't think I had it in me to become a doctor. So I eventually announced I was going to be a nurse. And my father sort of listened for about two seconds and said, well, if that's the best you can do, then you better get a degree in nursing. So, oh gosh, okay. So I signed up for a five-year degree, which incorporated uh, a degree in sociology. I got my state-registered nurse's um, position, and I would be qualified uh, is in what was called a health visitor. You don't have them here in, in Australia. But this is five years of my life. And halfway through, I'd already done one year of the university course, and we then went off to do nursing at St. Thomas's Hospital in London. And I was, I was in a bedsit sharing a house with some medical students from St. Thomas's. And I was thinking that, heck, you know what? These guys are out partying nearly every night. They're living the life of Riley. They're, I mean, okay, they're probably working hard, but I didn't think they were working nearly as hard as I was. I'm thinking, jeepers, maybe I can do something like they're doing. So I just put it out there. And to my amazement, uh, I got into medical school in Bristol. So that was that was it. And I think it was understanding that I really didn't want a lifetime of wiping bottoms and cleaning up vomit. I, I knew I could do it, but it wasn't my life purpose. So I think really having understood that, and I think it was the performance review I got from one particular ward sister who said, Nurse Brockis scrubs the bedpans well. And I thought, oh, dear, I really have reached dizzy heights. <laughs> So you, you you switched from nursing to being a GP and you yes. also touched on that you had your own practice. Yes. Um, so, so you also then decided to build your own business essentially in terms of your practice. Yep. Um, and as you alluded at the beginning, it, it, towards the end, it didn't quite end up how you had imagined. Can you, can you share with us a little bit more about that? Well, I'd, I had this sort of notion, this dream of what a, my own running my own practice would look like and being my own boss was very appealing because I've, I've never been very good at being told what to do. Uh, and, and it was a highly successful practice. It's just that uh, I hadn't been taught anything about running a medical practice. So as I was learning as I went, I had two small children. I had a husband who traveled a lot for business and I was enormously stressed I was, as a perfectionist, as a high achiever, um, always wanting to deliver superlatives rather than, you know, just enough. I was always driving myself to do more, to be more. And it all came tumbling down because I forgot that health and well-being starts with yourself. You have to make sure, because um, I wasn't taking time off. I wasn't taking proper holidays. I was always stressed, always worrying about what else was coming up. And I think the the catalyst to the burnout was taking on a new partner. I had, I, I'd been looking for a partner for ages because I felt I did need somebody to shoulder the burden with. And I signed up 
this chap who'd been working with me as an assistant for three years, and I knew we were different. Um, and but I thought, you know, he's he's you know he's he's been a GP for some time. I think I'm sure we can make this work despite our our, our differences. Um, unfortunately, as soon as the ink was dry on the contract, he revealed his true nature, which wasn't <laughs> wasn't amenable. Uh, and we were poles apart in terms of belief systems and values. And that really um, catapulted me into burnout even more quickly because I was paddling away thinking, well, what can I do to salvage this situation? And I, and I was starting to realize there was no way out. So you, you pretty much hit rock bottom, didn't you, Jenny? How I did. How how did you get yourself out of that? You know, you've studied for all these years as as yep. nursing and NGP. Uh, I'm imagining in your your parents' eyes, uh, on paper, successful being a GP, uh, and then hitting rock bottom. How do you how do you work out what's next after that? I wasn't in the headspace to think about what was next for some time, so I had to take time out to heal first and that was done in conjunction with a fabulous psychologist who treated a lot of doctors funny enough because <laughs> uh, I remember saying to my husband one day I said yeah what does he because I was really embarrassed about going and I said do you think he thinks little of me because you know I'm, I'm a doctor I'm meant to know how to look after myself and do all these things. And he said, no, you'll just think you're another crazy mixed up general practitioner like all the rest of them. And I thought, okay, well, that's all right then. Um, but it was it was his support along with my husband's support who's always been there, no matter what. He has been my rock forever. And, and some fabulous friends who never took no for an answer or always were there, say, Jenny, um, I'm coming round to take you out for a walk. Um, I'm coming round for a coffee or something like that. And it was slowly, slowly, and it and I call it my gap year. It was 12 months of just letting go of everything and starting to reconnect with the greater world out there and starting to realise that I was so isolated in my little island of general practice. Uh, I'd I'd lost sight of what else was available to me and other people in the great big world. So by being out in nature, going for long walks, down by the ocean, all sorts of things, I came to realise that, you know, there's more to life than just work. Took me a while to work that out. <laughs> um, and then to sort of think, well, what, what am I going to do next? Because I knew I didn't want to go back to general practice. I'd, I'd had that T-shirt on already. And... Mm. I really wanted to explore the health and well-being piece, which was taking me down a very different pathway. And that led me to explore, try out different avenues. I mean, I tried <laughs> property investing. I tried um, share, day share trading. I tried creative writing. I tried mosaics, all sorts of things. Uh, and it wasn't until I came full circle back to actually realizing I do have this love for people, for care, and I truly care deeply about people and their well-being. And I wanted to use those skills, but in a different way. And that's when I started looking more into the neuroscience and the positive psychology and worked out that there's so much that we can do for ourselves. It's not in the shape of a pill or a potion 
It's really how we can all empower ourselves when we take responsibility for our own pathway and accepting ourselves. I know you always talk about your jiggly bits, which makes me laugh. Um, <laughs> I, I had to learn how to accept my jiggly bits. Uh, self-compassion isn't something that I've found very easy, but I'm still, still, still working on that. Um, but I do believe that when we've got that sense of self-acceptance, then we can start the hard work of putting in place those things that truly do matter to us and making sure that we follow that um, guideline, if you like, or framework so that we can be the better version of ourselves. And so now you are on a mission really to share what you have learned mm. uh, in terms of unlocking your own brilliance and contribution to the planet to, to help other people. You're the, what number book are we on now? Number four. So the author of, of four books, the latest book, Thriving Mind. Um, what Can you just give us a little bit of a background as to where, where this book came from? Why did you feel the need to write this book? I wrote the third book back in 2015. Well, that was when it was published. That was called Future Brain. And that was very much still with my my hat on talking about brain health and how to elevate performance and productivity. And it was really through the discussions I'd been having with people through, that I met through work conferences and workshops that uh, I came to realize that people were seeking the, the something else. And the something else was the permission they needed to follow what they knew was actually of value to them as a human being because I was seeing too many workplaces where there was a culture of very high expectation, sometimes from the individuals themselves, sometimes it's being placed on them. I was seeing so much overwork where the unwritten expectation was you would always show up super early, you would always stay late, you didn't have to be asked, you would just do it. You always waited for the boss to go home before you did. And I could see people were missing out on other aspects of their lives, like being able to go to the school concert or a sports day. And I reflected back on my own time in general practice, and I realized how much that had impacted me too, because I had felt incredibly guilty about missing those times with my kids and how bad they made me feel, because they always called me out on it. Mummy, you weren't there, or Mummy, you were late. <laughs> And and thinking, you know, my kids are growing up, not knowing. I'm I'm not seeing those milestones that they they're going through, and I'm, I'm not being part of their lives. And I really wanted to be part of their lives. So it was that insight about myself, but realizing that other people were experiencing that too. And I really wanted to hone that message of you can be successful, and have a life, and feel happy, and feel like a complete human being. You can have it all as long as we treat ourselves as humans first and not as machines. So that was really the premise of the book. And I, and I shared in the book my own journey through burnout because I was getting the input from some friends and colleagues that hearing that tale from a medical practitioner was actually empowering to other people because, you know, if a doctor can experience it, Anybody can experience it. And I really wanted to help people to avoid 
getting too close to that cliff edge or falling off themselves. And so in A Thriving Mind, um, your new book, you talk about how to cultivate a good life, how to discover those essential ingredients for help, happy happier healthier uh happier healthier living and you know one of the things i talk about in in my book can be brilliant as part of unleashing our inner brilliance is this need to absolutely harness your energy that mm. it doesn't matter how many dreams how many strategies how much uh goal setting or journaling you have about the contribution that you are making in your work or your life if you're not functioning at, at your best you will never get there. You know, at some point, something's going to fall over. Um, so from your perspective, um, what, are, what are some of the critical things that you're seeing right now that people aren't doing that you talk about in this book? At the moment, what I'm seeing is, we, and, I, and I'm quite right about this, first of all, I'm seeing a growing sense of horrendous fatigue from the CEO down, everybody is just exhausted with the burden of just getting through these challenging times and not always recognising that the way to deal with this is to show that self-compassion and kindness and let go of some of this stuff. We are living in these extraordinary times and they're abnormal. This is not a normal time, so we shouldn't necessarily expect ourselves to be performing at our normal level. So by letting go some of that expectation and by inserting those things that nourish our soul, that actually help re-energize us um, and lowering that bar of expectation to do as much as you can and to be satisfied with that gives you gives you the gives you that way to find the energy that you need to then get through the really important bits and letting go of the stuff that can wait. And I think what's been heartening during this time is I've seen more and more people come to realise that the way they were operating before was 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 horrible for them. Um, they were constantly on that, that treadmill, treadmill and uh, unable to get off and worried that if they did get off, they wouldn't be able to get back on. And I think there's been enormous gratitude in some ways for this time out to realise that having downtime and really choosing to chill out and not do anything is enormously liberating and energising and helps us to reconnect to what's important to us and helps us to nurture those all-important relationships. Which to some extent has been forced on us, right, with yeah. many of us around the world because we have listeners uh, listening into this podcast right now from all over the world and, and, and all over the world, everyone has been forced to to reevaluate how they are living every day because either they are forced to live at home and work at home or mm. everything's changed. So so what advice would you would you share with people who are almost have enjoyed this reset um, but equally, we know at some point, um, you know, this reimagined workplace is going to kick in. How do we, I'm imagining there's a few people that are almost worried about going back. I was talking as an example, I was talking to a client today and she shared with me that she's stuck in this place of very excited about the potential to do next, to unleash her brilliance and do next. But at the same time, she doesn't want to go back 
to um, where she was at a few years ago in organization of almost burnout and life being crazy. So so from your perspective as as a medical profession, as a medical expert and and pretty much dedicating your life to this stuff, um, what advice would you give to people to to ensure that irrespective of what changes around them, they continue to thrive? I think it's it's going back to the, the, the core basics and it's about looking at what leads you to feel happy. We mm. you know, happiness is something that sometimes we feel a bit icky about, especially when it comes to working, you know, and and happiness at work is sometimes derided. And yet we know from the research that those who are fortunate enough to work in a happy, healthy workplace are, are not only health, happy and healthy, but they're more productive, they feel more contributive, they're more effective, um, collaborating and working in a team, and everybody feels better about it. And it, and it helps to strengthen those all-important relationships. So I think look at how you can create greater happiness in your own life, whether it's in life or at work. And it's this is about... Tapping into those things that you know put a smile on your face uh, or, or make you laugh, all those things around mindset where you set the intention on what you will be doing to get the best out of yourself for that particular day, being mindful to notice what uh, what's going on around you and how that's impacting you, but also how it's impacting others, and also just looking for ways to make sure that you're staying in a more positive space. And I think at the moment where we're still being bombarded with so much negativity, it's about setting your own boundaries and to, you need to be informed, but you don't need to be overwhelmed. So put those boundaries in place so that you can stay up to date, but not set in a downward spiral of worry, anxiety and concern for your future. And I think beyond that, it's about, choosing to instigate what is critical to you to be at your best every day. And for some, it's going to be sleep. For some, it's going to be getting out to do some exercise. And I know Victorians will be celebrating or Bernians are celebrating the fact they can get out for two hours of exercise uh, now instead of just one. Um, And just understanding that it's those little things that we do on a daily basis that we do have control over that enable us to keep going and to create greater confidence moving forward. Because I think you're right. A lot of people are worried that we'll slip back into how it was before because we tend to default to what we are familiar with. And I think if we want things to be different, if we want to reimagine our future, we have to hold on tight to those things that have been uncovered for us during the pandemic that are the gold, that are the things that enable us to be your our brilliant selves, as, as you would talk about, um, that enable us to truly thrive and to just reach out to other people. I'm, I'm worried about the level of social isolation I'm seeing. I'm worried about the level of anxiety and depression that's out there. My focus moving forward is going to be promoting well-being from a mental perspective and psychological safety. Because when you have an environment that is supportive of you, and this is where uh, business owners and leaders need to take the lead, when you feel safe to come to work 
it's you're being enabled to do your best. And when you have that sense of mental well-being, because you've got that emotional stability, you've got that sense of calm and control over what's going on, you can do so well. But it's 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 a work in progress. It's not something we can just sort of, oh, I'll just do this course and then I've got I've ticked the box, it's all done. This is going to be ongoing. We've got to continue to be willing to learn more or unlearn some of those maladaptive behaviours that we might have taken on board, especially the ones at the moment, like too much wine and too too many <laughs> corn chips. <laughs> yeah, we need to all get to the gym. One of, one of the things as we sort of bring this uh, podcast to a close, but I do want to talk about um, is the concept. There's a whole section in your book that is called Laugh and Play Makes Your Day. And you share in here about uh, how actually um, play and the power of play mm. is great for your brain. Now, in this in this current context, um, I'm imagining that that concept of playfulness um, is quite tricky for some of us. Um, you know, you talk about choose to laugh more, look for the ridiculous in the situation. And I love it as a concept, and actually, and I, I love it as a as a something to try and do. And I do remember. Someone once saying to me, what, what do you do to play, Janine? I'm like, oh, my gosh, I haven't, haven't actually thought about that for a long time. So can you just share with our listeners how even that simple concept that as kids we used to do all the time, being playful, uh, having fun, is actually great for your brain. It's great for your productiveness. It's actually great for, your, for helping you function at your best and maybe some tips and tools for some, some of our listeners. Okay. Well, yeah, it's interesting because we don't think of work as being a, a play zone. And yet those companies which actually incorporate a playful approach are often the most innovative and the most creative. Um, they have much better mental well-being because everybody's able to just feel a bit more relaxed. The stress levels are down. And and it actually stimulates us to, to think better because We've got that clarity we need in order to think things through, to be a bit more critical when we're, you know, thinking about the decision we need to make. So it's it's useful as a disruptor. It helps to uh, enable us when we're looking at change. And heck, <laughs> there's a bit of change going on around the place at the moment. So anything that we can do to foster that ability to embrace change more readily um, is is really helpful, and and it can be a diversion as well because we tend to take life and work terribly seriously, and and when we adopt a more playful approach, uh, it helps us to manage difficult times more easily. It's it's not about being silly; it's just about letting go of those things that are worrying us that we hold on so tightly to, uh, and and it lets us let go of that negative thought that might be getting in the way. So I think it's really helpful because it gets rid of the negativity that's surrounding us so often. Um, so I think, you know, play and work are actually perfect playmates, um, but it's about making it happen. And I think we just have to set that intention again in, and just to explore, well, how can we be more playful in our approach if we're looking at sort of developing a new process or a new strategy that you want to bring everybody on board with, what could you be doing differently about how you approach that challenge 
to to make it uh, an easier thing to to delve into and create like a play box, if you like, where you you put in uh, a different type of brainstorming where you've just got lots of pens and papers and you're gamifying your work to a certain extent. So you can look at it as an intellectual playfulness um, rather than just play for play's sake. So if you want to bring Lego into work, by all means, you can get very creative and serious play with Lego is is fantastic for unleashing the creative side. Um, so, yeah, just, let's just set some play dates and just do it. <laughs> so what do you do to play? Oh, Janine. I've 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 started a new play recently, um, which has been so much fun, and it's even better because I do it with my husband, and um, it's it's something that you know when I said to him, "Darling, I really would like to do some swing dancing," and he looked at me, and I could see what was going on in his mind, and I said, "And you'd have to come with me as my partner," and I could see his response then. <laughs> But anyway, he came along and we've now been going for over six weeks and we love it. We have an hour of play, an hour of dance. We are by no means the best in class, but that really doesn't matter because we're just learning a new skill and we're having a lot of fun and we're able to do something different that we've never tried before. It's awesome. I love that. I love that. I quite fancy doing that too. I'll have to go and try and find a dance class. So um, what habits do you have? How do you make sure you're thriving at your best, Jenny? Because as we know, you know, there are many builders that don't finish their own house. Um, (laughs) What do you actually do in terms of um, really looking after, after yourself? What are your habits? Well, I must start by saying I'm not perfect in this either. Mm-hmm. Um, I try my best. I do my best. And on the days that I don't, I, I try not to give myself too much of a hard time about it because I'm human. <laughs> so every day I seek to be out for at least 30 to 45 minutes to be out in nature. We've got a couple of dogs, including a puppy. So um, that's one reason itself to get out and about. Um, so I have to be out and about in order to feel good about myself. The days that I don't get out to to walk or to exercise in some way, I don't. I'm, I'm not as good. Uh, I try to look after my diet as much as possible. I've I'm increasingly adopting. Don't tell my husband, but he's adopting this too. He doesn't know it yet. Um, more of a whole food, plant based diet. We're moving away from too much red meat. We're moving uh, towards. Uh, lean protein, more from plant sources, but also um, fish. We're, I suppose you could call us pescatarians or something like that. Um, sleep is absolutely critical for me. That's my number one non-negotiable. If I don't get enough sleep, I'm horrible. I'm horrible to other people. I'm horrible to myself. So sleep's vital. I meditate every day, um, even if it's just for 10 minutes, because that just grounds me and just helps me to let all that tension disappear because I do carry a lot of overthinking and anxiety. So that's just a great way for me just to uh, breathe and let go. So I think those are my my chief things that I do. And they're not they're not they're things that you've discovered over time, aren't they? That, that yes. work for you because I think the biggest mistake so many of us make is we we hear the habits of somebody else and try and adopt them into our own lives and then beat ourselves up when we can't do it. And one of the key messages that I share 
always is do what works for you. And yes, it's a bit of experimenting sometimes, but it's working out what works for you. Um, so this podcast is all about unleashing brilliance. What's what's your parting message for our listeners around what it is that you know to be true and your understanding of, of that phrase, unleashing brilliance? To unleash brilliance, it's choosing to create the happiness that you desire in your life, to always incorporate those things that provide you with joy and pleasure, and to always nurture your close relationships, seek real connection, and have that sense of belonging. That enables you to be brilliant. I love it. Jenny, where can people find more information about you? Particularly, where can they get uh, this much-needed book of yours, Thriving Mind? Um, How can people get their hands on it? It's available in all good bookstores, and it's also available online through Booktopia and Amazon. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for all you do. Um, You really are a trailblazer in terms of your messaging out there and, more importantly, your commitment to helping other people be the best version of themselves through sharing your own learnings. It's an absolute pleasure to have chatted with you today, and I know that our listeners are going to get a hell of a lot of um, help, information, insight from listening to it that they can put into their own world. So thank you, Jenny. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed listening to The Janine Garner Show. To follow her blog, purchase her books or find out more, visit her website, janinegarner.com.au. Brilliant people, extraordinary results.